Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Pop That Mama and in this episode I'm joined by my lovely friend Emily who will be sharing her breastfeeding story with you all. We're going to be talking about everything from sore nipples right through to feeling as though your breasts just aren't yours anymore. Enjoy listening. So welcome to part two of our mum chat series. So sorry it's taken a while for us to get this out. Emily and I have actually been meeting for walks to talk about the content and we've decided today that we are going to be speaking about breastfeeding because I think this is such an important topic to cover I mean, when I was pregnant, I read so many breastfeeding stories in the same way that I listened to birth stories because it's so insightful to learn from other mums. So we do have Emily with us today and she's going to be sharing her breastfeeding journey with us. So Emily, over to you to say hi and share your story. Thanks so much, Poppy. And thank you so much for having me back. I've been really looking forward to this one uh, because it's a topic that I feel very passionate about and is very close to my heart um, because of the journey that I've been on with my daughter Freya who is soon turning eight months so we're quite far down the journey now but it's a really lovely thing to reflect back on. So I guess for me when I think about breastfeeding it, it sort of all began before Freya was born and almost even before I was pregnant. I always had in my mind the idea that I wanted to breastfeed any ch- children of mine or that at least that I wanted to give it a go. I had my heart really set on it as something that I wanted to be able to provide for my child if I could. And I think, as you said, Poppy, as I kind of went through my pregnancy and was preparing myself more and more for birth, the one thing that I also really focused on when I was thinking about after birth and having a child was breastfeeding and doing everything that I sort of could to prepare myself for what that journey might be like. I also, you know, listened to various stories and attended courses and listened to seminars and I did some colostrum harvesting before Freya was born. So I really kind of went into it with what I thought was a good wealth of knowledge. And I I really felt that was important. But I also went into it with quite an open mind, thinking this might not be something that either I enjoy or that she and I take to. And actually, it might not be something that's possible for us. And I think that was, for me, quite a useful thing going into it to have in the back of my mind that actually, it's okay if this doesn't work out for us. But having said that, I was kind of determined that from day one, I would try my very, very hardest to breastfeed my child. So once Freya was born, Straight after, you know, we had that lovely golden hour of skin-to-skin contact and she latched immediately. She was very instinctive and I really thought straight away, wow, this is going to be a straightforward, easy ride. You know, she gets it, I get it, we're good together. We're going on this journey together and it's going to be a really positive one. And Frey was born at 11.30 at night. So by the time we got down into the ward in the hospital, um, it was about 5, 6 a.m. the following day. And we were then on our own. So my husband, Zach, wasn't there um, because of the situation with COVID. So it's just the two of us. And all of that day, she latched and fed really, really well. And we barely needed any support from the midwives in the hospital. And I actually remember, you know, I was obviously speaking to and FaceTiming Zach all the time. 
and kind of saying to him, this is going really well. Like the breastfeeding actually seems to be quite natural for both of us. I could hear a lot of the women in the next door cubicles to us were getting a lot of support from the midwives with breastfeeding. And some of them, it sounded like we're having a really difficult time, really, really felt for them. Um, but I remember thinking, gosh, I feel very lucky that we seem to be doing okay at this. It seems to be coming quite naturally. Um, positioning, latch, etc., seemed to be all right. And then that night, when we spent the one night overnight in hospital, um, just Freya and I, she then cluster fed all night. And we literally didn't sleep very much either, the two of us. And I think at that point, yeah, <laughs> I think at that point, the reality started to sink in um, that this was really likely to be a journey with ups and downs mm. um and I suppose that irrespective of what had happened immediately you know there would be other things that could or might unfold during the course of our breastfeeding journey so kind of fast forward a few days again it had been all kind of going quite smoothly um and the breastfeeding was going well and you know Freya was discharged by the midwives because her um, weight gain was going really well and everything was on track and it was all looking really positive but over the course of the next kind of week or two I suppose slowly but surely I started to get this kind of pain and soreness in my breasts and in my nipples and it just felt like something was going slightly awry so at that point I immediately started to seek out support and that was something that I had gone into my journey thinking right from the get-go that I will do everything possible to seek support and help right from the get-go if I need it um, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't go into it feeling kind of the sense of martyrdom and wanting to do it all on my own etc I knew that if I needed support and help like how I'd done in my preparations for breastfeeding I would seek that support immediately and, and I did and it was a bit of a puzzler because every time I did a zoom call with someone or had a phone consultation or whatever it was everyone was sort of saying the positioning looks great um you're holding her right her latch is really good it looks pretty deep she looks content like we couldn't quite work out why where the soreness was coming from and then we started to um kind of have some more weight check-ins um, because I asked for her to be weighed a bit more regularly and at that point we started to see that her weight gain was beginning to slow down so we sensed that there was some sort of underlying issue and the pain was really getting a lot more severe and it was becoming a lot more uncomfortable every time I was trying to feed um, and I started to really struggle with it and have kind of some real challenges and difficulties with the feeding um, and she was very much feeding on demand. So, you know, it was, it feels quite relentless at that point, because when you're struggling with it, it's kind of just nonstop. I couldn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. So the next port of call for me after the kind of various Zoom calls and phone consultations I had, um, because obviously there wasn't a huge amount of face-to-face -face support at that point because of COVID, was to see a lactation consultant who thankfully because of the time of year that was where I was born she was allowed to come into our house so she could come and kind of look at what was going on right up close and she was very very helpful she was kind of I would say getting her here was one of the best things that I could do for me during my breastfeeding journey with Freya 
Um, she showed me some different feeding positions and actually the position that she showed me was the one that we adopted from there on out and it really helped with the feeding it made me a lot more comfortable she showed me this sort of laid back feeding position I mean we, I don't know if we we'll maybe talk about positioning a bit later on as to how there's lots of different things you can try but it was a great help because when I'd been feeding Freya originally I think because it was sore and painful I realized that when I was holding her kind of cross cradle my hand was like this claw it was so tense and there was so my hand was getting so sore I was starting to getting get you know real shooting pains in my hand I don't know if you experienced that at all Poppy but I was so desperate to hold her in the right position that my hand and my shoulder were becoming agonizingly sore so the lactation consultant was like don't worry there are other things that we can try so that was great but she also said you know I think that there might be something going on here with tongue tie despite the fact that Freya had been discharged from the hospital and they'd examined her and said she doesn't have tongue tie when she was first born luckily the lactation consultant was like I think you need to go and get this checked out and seen to so thankfully um I was able to get referred back to the hospital where Freya was born very quickly um and at that point she was four weeks old and we went in um, and she was examined at the tongue tie clinic and it transpired that she had an 85% tongue tie. So they said, you know, this is a very, very severe tongue tie and no wonder she's not gaining weight properly. No wonder you're in so much discomfort. Um, so, you know, when it's sort of a light bulb moment mm. um, where you just think, aha, <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. Um, so we managed to get her tongue tie separated. So the procedure was carried out, um, which was great. And it's super quick, you know, it happens in literally five seconds. Um, and they were amazing and so supportive. And, you know, they gave me a whole kind of breastfeeding consultation there in the hospital as well. So that was great. Um, so they sent us away and within about 10 days after that, um, the feeding started to get better. So, you know, I would say, it's not necessarily an immediate fix. You know, they said to us in the hospital, when tongue ties are separated, some people feel immediately that there's this huge sense of relief and actually the feeding is much better sort of instantaneously. But for some people, it can take up to two weeks. And for me, with a little bout of mastitis in the middle, uh, it took about 10 days and then the feeding got considerably better. So then I thought, great, you know, we're on we're on the home straight here. I can I can continue the feeding for six months, which is what I'd always had in my mind that I wanted to do. I kind of thought once she's starting to wean, I wanted to sort of stop the breastfeeding. That's bef before she was born. That was kind of a goal that I had in my mind, if you like. But unfortunately, the tongue tie did reattach, um, which is quite uncommon, um, but it can happen. And it can be to do with how the tongue heals after, after the procedure is carried out. So it can be to do with some of the scarring that happens after the procedure is carried out, which makes the whole tongue tie separation sound a bit scary. But honestly, it's really not. Um, I know you fortunately didn't have to go through that with Juniper, but it very much is not kind of, it sounds worse than it is. You know, it's, it's a very quick procedure. They feel hardly any pain. You feed them afterwards and you're good to go. Um, but unfortunately, as I say, Freya's tongue tie did reattach. So at about four months, we then had to take her to a different hospital across the other side of London um, to 
get her seen to because I'd started to detect a lot of the same symptoms as previously. Her weight gain had started to really slow down. Um, my breasts were becoming incredibly engorged again and really, really sore. So I sort of noticed that there was something awry and I thought this feels to me like tongue tie again. So fortunately at that point, we could go and get the procedure carried out again, um, which is it's quite uncommon for many of the surgeons, the paediatric surgeons to do a tongue tie procedure for a second time. But fortunately there, there was quite a renowned surgeon who would do it. So we got that done um, at about four months. And then actually I started to kind of dwindle down the feeding towards the breastfeeding towards sort of five months when I started to wean her. And then I stopped breastfeeding completely on the six month mark. So for me, it's kind of, it was really one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, but I knew that I wanted to persevere and I knew that it was something in the, because I had this kind of fundamental instinctive belief that I really wanted to be able to provide that for her if I could. I kind of pushed through the difficulties and the challenges and I was able to get to that kind of six month mark which I had in my mind all along and when I felt like actually she was over it she was totally over it at that point as well and um, she wasn't interested in breastfeeding any longer she was so disinterested every time I tried to give her the boob she was looking around she didn't want to focus on it so it felt like the right time for both of us and mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I feel really proud of. That I was able to do that for as long as I was, despite the challenges, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you did you ever feel like you wanted to give up when that was all going on? Oh, my gosh. So many times. I mm. I can't even tell you, like, on a, literally on a daily basis, I wanted to give up. And actually, one of the hardest things was everyone around me saying, you know what just stop like just stop mm. it's mm. so clearly like tormenting you it's clearly like leading you to so much pain and frustration and you know there were I would there was a stage when it was really really bad just before her tongue tie was cut the first time when I was crying at every single feed because it was so mm. painful um and I really wanted to stop but you know what and I it's a weird thing because everyone around me was saying you know what stop like she'll be fed she'll be fine mm -hmm. you'll give her formula it doesn't matter and I knew that that was true and for some reason like that was really helpful knowing that I could always there was always another option like that was a really reassuring thing for me but somehow everyone saying to me you can just stop already made it harder in a way because I did I didn't know how to convey to people around me that that was something that was so emotionally difficult for me to do mm. and it's the emotional side of it that I think is very hard to prepare for um because I I sort of always knew okay you know if I don't breastfeed her it's fine because she will get fed and that is really the most important thing and I still fundamentally believe that to this very day like a fed baby is a happy baby that is genuinely the truth mm. but I'd invested emotionally in this journey and therefore the idea of it being taken away from me prematurely was something that I found very hard to come to terms with. Gosh I can really understand that and it's almost as though 
the umbilical cord gets cut after they're born, but you're still attached to them because you feed them from your body. And it's like the second thing is losing the breastfeeding is the kind of final letting go in some ways. Totally, totally. And that's why I think it's so hard when people looking from the outside in and trying to advise you or trying to, I mean, they're trying to help you and support you, obviously. But as you say, it's that emotional connection, that emotional tie that you feel that I think once you've started it, it becomes very hard to sever that tie. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, you know, Zach so many times said to me, you've just, you've got to stop. Um, Really? Wow. That's hard when your husband says that to you, because then it's really like, you know, you take it quite seriously. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And he was like, I can see what it's doing to you is destroying you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just at that four week mark or just before the four week mark when she had her tongue tie cut I said to myself I'll give it until six weeks like no matter how hard it is I want to give it until six weeks um, so thank goodness the tongue tie procedure was done mm-hmm. and thank goodness you know I could push through and I got to six months which honestly at four weeks I thought I can't even imagine getting to six weeks let alone six months um, mm-hmm. but it is it is true what they say as well that it shouldn't be painful and it shouldn't be uncomfortable. So there's got to be something that can be done if it is those things. Um, And I think I, you know, there were definitely points in the early weeks when I thought this is just going to be painful and uncomfortable for me, like continuously, like there's no way out of this. Um, And I think actually at that point, one of the things that really struck a chord with me the most was I spoke to a friend who um, had tried breastfeeding with her first baby, I think stopped at about two or three months. Um, And then with her second baby, I think tried for like a week or two and stopped because she just wasn't enjoying it and it was uncomfortable and things. And she said to me, the reason I stopped with my first and the reason I barely did it with my second was because it just made me sad. Like it made me sad as a new mum. And that was a feeling I just didn't want to associate with motherhood. And that really hit me um, because I realized that I'd been feeling sad and I'd been feeling all these horrible feelings of just, I had so much love for my baby, but I just felt down and just worn out from it. And just, I dreaded the feeds. And like, that was a really conflicting feeling of like, I'm doing this because I want to provide for her, but I'm also dreading every time I have to pick her up and feed her because I know what it's going to feel like so yeah the the emotional journey is just it's a turbulent one (laughs) or can be a turbulent one I should say because I don't I don't think you had those sorts of experiences necessarily did you not in the same way as you but I had my own journey in terms of, well, the Mm. sore nipples, which I really do think is kind of a normal process. I think everyone gets sore nipples. I don't know anyone who hasn't. Um, But but what you said about the positioning really resonates. Like I I really did in my back, actually, because I was just so hunched over trying to get in the right position to feed Juniper. And I was, you know, just not caring about myself. Like you said, with your hand, you just want to feed them and you you don't care about yourself at all. but not in the in the emotional sense, I don't think. I didn't I didn't have anything like that. Um, and that's the thing is, I think, you know, the really important and amazing thing to like 
hear or to know if you're like going into a breastfeeding journey is that it can be so different for different people and that it's like not something to be afraid of in any way because like again for me even looking back on it my breastfeeding journey is like it was a really positive one because I did what I wanted to do and I achieved what I wanted to achieve and Freya grew and thrived and I felt such fulfillment from seeing that I was giving her that but you know there are there can be ups and downs with it in different ways because it's a it's a big thing you're doing it's a big thing you're taking on and it's a big thing you're giving to your child um and like I think it would have been for me I would have found it so helpful just knowing that there would be a light at the end of the tunnel um because you know when you say about the sore nipples probably I remember um when I got mastitis um about a week after the tongue tie procedure was done I was speaking to um, a midwife friend of the families and I said, I actually said to her, I honestly can't imagine ever feeling like I can touch my nipples again. Like I can't imagine them not being so sore and so sensitive. Like, are they ever going to feel normal again? She was like, don't worry. They will feel normal again. I promise you they will feel normal. <laughs> I know. Um, I think it I almost toughens them up though, doesn't it? It's uh, it's that process of almost, yeah, getting a bit of hard skin around them. So that, totally. Yeah. Totally, which is like, it's surreal, but it's also like that is what they were intended for. Mm. And that's kind of what I had in the back of my mind all the time was this is something my body is designed to do. Not to say that it's for everyone and I completely understand why people don't want to do it. But I do also remember kind of on that point, really feeling this very strange sense of my body no longer being mine and my breasts not being mine, them being hers. Um, And that was like such a strange alien feeling to me. So for me, and again, I think this is really different for different people, but I felt like even though it was such a natural thing in theory I didn't find it that natural like I felt a bit odd because I felt a bit out of it was a bit out of body for me um I felt a bit kind of strange that my breasts didn't really feel like mine anymore like they felt like because they were so alien to me as well when they were kind of all engorged and everything they just felt different and I guess I wasn't prepared for how different they would look and how different they would feel and things so that was kind of an odd one as well no that's really interesting I I feel the same actually it's it's like that moment where the milk comes in and you look down and there's veins popping out and they're huge and there's milk coming out of them and suddenly and also it's like when your baby knows exactly what to do and they just kind of latch on and that whole experience of watching that happen and it's your you know it's your body but this thing knows what to do with your body and (laughs) it's quite animal-like in a way Totally. And I guess, you know, that is the point is that we are animals and we are designed to feed our children in this way. But like, I didn't feel this kind of whole mother earthiness around it. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, I just want to kind of be walking around topless all the time, which I literally was walking around topless all the time. (laughs) So was I. Yeah. It's just the easier thing to do, isn't it? Um, mm. I bought all of these nursing bras. And I ended up like feeling like they were just more a faff than anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't know, because I think 
realistically there's a lot of like practical elements to it as well that kind of in a way made me feel like it like it wasn't so natural so what I mean by that is you know if I was wanting to go somewhere if I was trying to meet up with someone um and then I was needing to feed her that would kind of halt us from leaving the door um because I'd need to make sure that she was fed and make sure that I was doing that before I left and it would kind of impinge in a way on our plans for the day or um you know if I was I was having to get up obviously in the night the whole time to feed her and it's it's quite it's quite draining if you're exclusively breastfeeding because you are the sole provider for your child's food and you know that you need to be there at their beck and call um for anything they need but you're also a person too and you also have needs and I just remember you know sometimes when she was feeding really regularly like every couple of hours or less than that even I just remember like you know I've just finished and I've just handed her over to Zach or to my mum or something and then like 10 minutes later it'd be like oh she's doing the feeding cues again you're up again and I just think oh my gosh I just want to like lie down or just have my own space for a moment not have this thing attached to me oh my god I totally get what you mean you're just bringing bringing me back to a memory of when Juniper was a newborn and Tom's parents came around like brought lasagna and salad and all this delicious food because obviously it was like a week after giving birth so they were doing the usual grandparents thing of bringing stuff and looking after us and I was so starving and it got to 12 o'clock which is when they like to eat lunch so I get up and I'm like yeah right ready for the lasagna then it's like and Tom looks at me like juniper and I'm like oh okay guys don't worry have lunch without me I'll be fine and I was sitting there feeding her but I felt really kind of upset and left out like why do I have to skip lunch to feed so I totally know what you mean it's It's the worst but it's so time consuming as well let's be honest it's time consuming right and you can't walk and do chores while you feed it is intense I've actually thought people with more than one child I don't know how they do it really totally I completely agree because it must just almost be continuous like it's yeah it's so time consuming and there are always those kind of awkward funny moments when you reflect back on them of like you know when someone comes around when you're in the middle of it or whatever actually that was one of the good things about COVID and lockdown was that actually we couldn't have people just pop up or like turn up at the door like you could actually be free to just be in your own space and in your topless breastfeeding world like all day every day that was quite a good thing (laughs) and not the kind of feeding in public I don't know how you felt about that it took me a while to get used to that yeah I actually like I'd say I was quite gung-ho about it like Mm -hmm. I wasn't too phased by it weirdly I found it easier to breastfeed completely in public like with people I didn't know than I did in some situations with some people I did know Mm -hmm. um but actually the first time I breastfed in public was um, we'd gone to the park, which is just right near us. And it was a beautiful day because Freya was born in the summer. So it was lovely and hot. And I got in my shorts and I was feeling really good. Um, and she was in like some cute little summery baby outfit. Um, and we hadn't yet kind of 
understood what we needed to have in the nappy bag so we didn't have much stuff with us but this park is literally across the road from us so anyway I sit down on the bench and I start breastfeeding and I felt so good and so confident and really proud of myself because at that point it was already I was having quite a few kind of challenges with breastfeeding and it was already quite uncomfortable so I was quite proud of myself for kind of doing it in public despite those difficulties and then all of a sudden the heavens opened and it started pouring with rain and we were on this bench in the middle of basically an open field and I'm (laughs) breastfeeding my child who is literally in no clothes whatsoever and I'm in these tiny shorts and like a summery top and we are getting soaked and I was too like frightened to move or to unlatch her because I remember having that feeling of like oh my god if I unlatch her I'm not going to be able to relatch her so eventually we managed to pick her up Zach kind of tried to shelter us and then I picked her up while she was still feeding and no ran under this tree and we sheltered from the rain under this tree while she was still breastfeeding and then we were actually meeting up with friends so our friends arrived also with their new baby and I stood there under this tree soaking wet breastfeeding my baby so she didn't come off at all she stayed on she stayed on she had a real grip on her (laughs) but yeah what was your what were your experiences like of breastfeeding in public did you find it kind of uncomfortable or was it just like psychologically it took a while to kind of get your head around it I I think the the kind of the the most challenging aspect for me was trying to get a good position in somewhere where I'm not familiar with so in Costa in one of their weird seats or you know the sofas that are not the right shape just being really uncomfortable and then your your arm gets sore and then your hand gets sore I think for me it was more positioning um, and then trying to kind of cover up uh, and be modest, but then sometimes being caught out because you just don't have something and that whole thing of just the faff. Um, but yeah, yeah well, let's talk about some of the positive aspects of uh, breastfeeding, shall we? Yes, absolutely. Because there are so many positives and I feel like this has all been a bit of a reality check, but honestly, like I would never have continued for six months if it hadn't have ultimately been a positive thing. Um, as I said, I was so ready to give up before four weeks. Um, so it there's definitely hugely amazing and rewarding things that come from it. Um, and actually some of those things are like the things that I was almost dreading the most. Um, for example, getting up in the middle of the night because I am so someone who needs all the sleep I can possibly get and I am terrible without sleep so I was dreading doing the exclusive breastfeeding because of having to get up in the middle of the night um but actually those times when it was just her and me in the dark in a room on our own in the quiet when you felt like the whole world was sleeping I know three in the morning or whatever those are some of the most special moments that we had. And I look back on those memories with such fondness. Um, And that felt like a huge thing to give up actually when she stopped feeding at night, um, when she just didn't need those feeds anymore. I kind of, whilst I obviously cherished my sleep, um, I actually felt a bit of bittersweetness about losing out on those moments with her when it was literally just she and I and, there was we didn't have any other thoughts or cares or anything um and you know I wouldn't turn the tv on because you know they say when you're feeding them at night like it's good to keep the kind of dark environment so that they get back off to sleep afterwards and keep it quiet and that was just 
those times were just amazing and it was so rewarding to know that I was providing for her and that she needed me and that we were just having this special cherished moment together oh I'm smiling that's so sweet <laughs> no I, I feel the exact same but my 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 moments with Juniper so obviously we have bath time every day which is my number one favorite time with her but um, my second favorite time is when I feed her before she goes to bed and we actually have little jokes like we have jokes and it's so weird because I'm like she's only well now nine months but there's like ongoing jokes but it only happens when I'm feeding her so that's how like it's like our private little bubble that no one knows about and it's quite special because no one else in the world will ever have that type of intimacy and privacy and relationship that I guess we will have as mothers who feed who breastfeed actually I'm sure you well actually how is the experience like bottle feeding compared to breastfeeding yeah I actually to be honest I was kind of surprised in a way that I actually didn't feel much of a loss of intimacy when I started bottle feeding her but I totally know what you mean about they are so in sync with you in some way and they are so kind of in your inner psyche when they are breastfeeding because there's something about the way they kind of look at you and the way they reflect off you and I actually remember that when I was having difficulties with the feeding and when I was going through that period where I was crying during every feed she would look at me with like these sad eyes because she could just sense from me that I wasn't okay and like that is an amazing thing that, as you say, you know, when Juniper's having these jokes with you and I remember hearing about you telling me about that before. And I just think that is so amazing, like that they just get it and that they mm. kind of vibe off you when you're breastfeeding them. But yeah. I do still feel like I have a lot of intimacy with her when I'm bottle feeding her. Um, amazing. And obviously, you know, it's it's more open now because anyone can bottle feed her, which I actually for me, I find a bit of a relief now. Um, but there was something really special about when it was only me who could provide for her. And I kind of, I kind of miss that, I guess. Um, I think, I think no matter when you stop, I think everyone will miss it, you know. Mm -hmm. But one thing I would say, actually, for anyone listening, who is planning on breastfeeding, um, and this is kind of my personal perspective, but in the beginning, I very much would use my phone, So whilst I was feeding, I'd be on my phone, be on WhatsApp, be on Instagram, and it would just be an automatic thing. Whack her on the boob, phone comes out, you know, for half an hour. And now I make such a conscious effort of putting away the phone. And it's just amazing when you decide, okay, I'm not going to be distracted. This whole world of interaction opens up, which just wouldn't have. So these running jokes that Juniper and I have absolutely would not have happened had I continued using my phone and it was just something that was telling me you're missing out on something you're feeding your child and you're busy you you're not in this world you're in some other world but you're missing out and as as soon as I stopped this is when our running jokes and our amazing kind of breastfeeding connection started so that I'd really really say try not to distract yourself as hard as it will be there'll be days where you'll just be knackered and you just you just want to hold on I'm not going to say I, I don't go on my phone at all because that's lying but I definitely cherish the night feeds and then I won't go on my phone and then you know maybe in the day if she's kind of doing you know doing closing her eyes I won't just be waiting for her to open her eyes and make a joke with me I'm not (laughs) (laughs) it's 
so it's more <laughs> just the kind of special evening time that I keep as the special interaction time. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And actually, that was something that the lactation consultant who I saw um, said to me as well, was she said, um, you know, it might actually help with the feeding and make it a bit easier if you are not on your phone and if you're 100% focused on her. And also if you talk to her whilst you're feeding, um, because her hearing your voice will be really reassuring for her. Um, and I remember after that was when I kind of started a new kind of part of my routine where I would, when I was doing the evening feed, I would read a story to her whilst she was feeding. Um, and I loved that as well, because oh, I felt like, again, it was just a nice time, as you say, like you have those kind of special, precious moments, because um, also it does all go by so quickly. So to just have those little snippets of time where it's just the two of you and you're just 100% focused on your child is is just completely amazing, I think. Definitely. And you don't get these years back, right? Well, not with yeah. the same child. Yeah, um, exactly. Just coming back to your point about not feeling as though your breasts were kind of yours. Did you ever have this experience of breastfeeding all day and then not wanting to be touched at night? Not wanting to be touched as in by as my in, baby or? No, no, no. As in, <laughs> no, no. I mean like breastfeeding breastfeeding all day and then getting in the bed with the husband and being like I've had enough 100% do you know what I mean (laughs) do not come near me I've been touched all day get your hands away from me exactly this is a no-go zone (laughs) I've had a lifetime's worth of intimacy in one day and I do not need any more of it like without a shadow of a doubt and I must say like that was something I also I guess (laughs) found a bit weird was that like previously like prior to having a child like your breasts are kind of I mean they become this sexualized thing don't they like as in women's bodies which like that that's a whole separate topic as Mm. to whether that's a good thing or not but anyway um your breasts can be seen as quite like an intimate thing right um and they are But like when they just become your child's and as you say, when your child is on them or your baby is on them all day, every day, you kind of, I definitely found, it sounds like you did as well, Poppy, that I didn't want them to be used in any other way. And I didn't want like anything else to go near that zone. Um, Because again, like they were hers and also I was just done with people (laughs) being near me. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a I think that's a really hard thing. It's also like I don't know, it's a funny thing because in a way it normalizes women's bodies in a in a really amazing way. So I actually like when I think about kind of when I was breastfeeding in public and don't get me wrong, I was obviously trying to cover up in every possible way, but obviously, you know, people around you know what's happening. It kind of normalizes the woman's body in a way because it's like okay, this is a very normal thing. This is a person who is breastfeeding her baby. Like there's no kind of qualms about that. And I guess like, that's why I was kind of keen to just get on and try and do it because I was like, this is normal. Like this should be seen as a normal thing. Um, And I know it's not always seen as a normal thing and it's not always accepted in that way. Um, But I feel like it really should be because it's just something that we are 
built to to do absolutely and we're amazing (laughs) yeah yeah I agree with that completely (laughs) so do we want to is there anything else on the kind of realities of breastfeeding before we move on to the products and the tips and support what are the 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 kind of I mean when I say the last thing I feel like there's so much more that I could say on this topic but like one of the kind of overarching thoughts that I have about breastfeeding when I reflect on my personal journey is exactly that that it it is always going to be a very personal individual journey and that journey is so unique to each woman like even though ultimately what you're doing is the exact same thing as any other woman who's breastfeeding it is so different dependent on you and your body and your milk supply and your baby and how your baby what their appetite's like, how their mouth is configured, what their tongue is like, what the appetite, like everything is so individual. And I feel like it's really, it can be really damaging to try and compare yourself too much to others. Like I feel like it's a really reassuring and comforting thing to listen to other people and to talk about it for sure, if that's helpful. And I certainly found it very helpful, but I remember like when I was struggling, I found it most reassuring to, hear from people who had also struggled with it like there were a few times where I'd speak to one or two people and they'd sort of say I I literally have no idea what you're talking about like breastfeeding was such a breeze like oh I've like I don't I don't know what you mean that there was anything difficult about it and like great that that's some people's experience I think that's phenomenal and obviously we'd all love to have that smooth journey with it but I would say to anyone listening like try and take comfort from the fact that it's your own journey and it's going to be unique to you and your baby and it's part of the tapestry of life and it's part of your story that you're weaving with your baby um so try not to kind of compare yourself to others even if obviously listening to others experiences can be a really comforting and reassuring thing yeah I really agree with that I think it's one of those areas that there is a lot of judgment actually um Mm. you know oh, is she breastfeeding? Oh, she's doing, you know, there, there is a bit of, I think, judgment. So totally. as, you, as you say, you've just got to recognize that it's just your, your, yours and your baby's journey. And it will, it will be different to everyone's. So no, that's Absolutely. a really, really good point. Um, and also that, that, sorry, that there is also always another option. I feel like that's yes. so important to bear in mind because yes. as long as your baby is fed and is healthy and happy and thriving, really, like that is all that matters. One thing I did want to ask you, Emily, because um, I I find that obviously I'm still breastfeeding, so it's now nine months yeah. in, and I really do find that I use breastfeeding to calm Juniper and as a sleep technique, and as in putting to her, feed her to sleep. You know, each nap and in the nighttime, and I and it's kind of like I use it as a not only a food source, but it's my calming mechanism. Um, it had some, it's got like multi purposes. So I I want to know how you go about sort of having that same effect with a bottle. Is it the same? Um, that's a very good question because I guess I think it, I think it is kind of similar in a way. Um. And I guess, I mean, we introduced a bottle quite early on, like a bottle of expressed milk. Um, 
so from that perspective it was the same you know but now when we've introduced formula it's kind of a bit later on where she doesn't necessarily need those kind of sleepy cues as much um but I think you can achieve the same thing with other means and with other kind of cues and other things that you might introduce early on like you know a comforter that smells of you or like white noise or whatever it might be um so yeah I, I do know exactly what you mean and I think it's funny that you say that because for me going into breastfeeding that was one of the things that I one of the reasons that I really wanted to try and give it a go is because I felt like it's this really comforting thing um and you can just whip it out and do it whenever your baby needs calming down or whenever your baby needs a bit of comfort like that's a really amazing thing um but I think probably the the feeding in itself is part of that process um rather mm. than it necessarily just being breastfeeding mm. okay yeah 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 I see what you mean so you can use other things as well as the feeding and find a sort of new way to have that same effect yeah exactly and I think also I mean like again just my experience is you know as Freya's grown older um she doesn't necessarily need things certain things to kind of comfort her or to get her to sleep like she's kind of developed more of her own coping mechanisms to do those things herself so I guess that over time if you know if they don't have the breastfeeding anymore as their kind of clutch they have other things or other ways that they can adapt themselves like because these babies are just so smart and they are so clever and adaptable it's quite remarkable yeah. um so I guess that they find other ways that's that's a very very good point I must say Juniper needs a lot less of the kind of shoving the boob in to quiet to shut her up sort of thing I think when they're newborns it's really really helpful but yeah you're totally right as yeah. they get older they're more independent and things okay um this is great. So what about, because I know you did loads of research for tips, uh, so so for products and different support. So um, do you want to just share some of that for the people listening? Yeah, for sure. So as I said, I think I've touched on kind of a few of the areas of support. Um, but, you know, it's good. I think it's good to know that you're never alone um, with breastfeeding. And that is irrespective of where you are in the country or where you are in the world. Um, you know, here we have council breastfeeding support teams um, who are always on tap. And I think, you know, the one for my local council was available from like 9am till 9pm every day. And that was a really great support number. I mean, I literally had that number saved in my phone. I was calling it all the time. Um, they were amazing. And there's also like a national breastfeeding support line who are also really good and um, who I did a lot of phone calls with and had Zoom consultations with. Um, and then I touched on lactation consultants, which can be a paid for route. So the other two channels that I just mentioned obviously are free and are readily available to anyone. Um, but the lactation consultants do tend to have a cost associated with them. So that might be a consideration as to whether people can or want to go down that route but for me I found it kind of really good dedicated individual support where you kind of develop a feeding plan together and have that ongoing support with someone checking in and um I found that really really useful so those were some of the kind of areas of support that I think were really helpful um and then I guess some of the kind of products that I found particularly useful in my breastfeeding journey so 
um, there were quite a few things to kind of help with breasts and like the pain and help to relieve any pain or um, any signs of engorgement or anything. There's quite a few of these kind of hot and cold pads that you can get, which actually I've sent the link to so many people I know who are having difficulties with breastfeeding saying, get these things, they are so useful. Um, you can literally either heat them up in the microwave for like a minute, or you can put them in the fridge or the freezer to cool them down, dependent on whether you feel you need a hot or cold compress. And I just, you know, wore them in my bra the whole time. Um, and it was such a relief after every feed to just have these things in my bra, just helping to kind of relieve and soothe my breasts. So I found those really useful. Did you, I don't know if you ever went for anything like that, Poppy, did you ever need anything like that? I just did the straight up cabbage. Yes, that's yeah. the other one, right? Which was very good. Put it in the freezer, bung them in, and they're the right shape. So it's basically like, you know, how you would use frozen peas. It's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Cold vegetables. Yes. Um, feels nice, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I can so still nice. remember the sting. Like, even talking about it, I, the sting will never leave me. Oh, yes. But don't worry, guys. It, it will go. It all, That's the thing. It's just a phase and it will toughen your nipples up and it will be gone before you know it. But it is. It's tough. Totally. I won't even lie. Totally. I feel like basically anything that you can stuff inside your bra or even not even have your bra on, but just have on your boobs is really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, I also used of- nipple shields. Those, those were really good. Oh, Metal yeah. nipple shields were really good because I got to the point where I couldn't actually wear any bras, even cotton until I found these metal shields, which then made, you know, made it easier to wear a bra. So that those were good. So, so were those to um, help with kind of relieving pain in between feeds? They weren't for, they weren't the sort of nipple shields that you wear whilst feeding. So you wear them straight afterwards, but the, the, the only thing they do is prevent your nipples from rubbing against the fabric and from get from them wow. getting worse. So that's what they're for. Yeah got it okay that makes a lot of sense and did you also use a lot of lanolin cream um like I did I literally slathered on the stuff before and after every feed oh my gosh that stuff I I literally had and actually I found this very useful having a bottle of it in every place that I possibly fed so there was probably yes four places that I would regularly feed for it in my house and I had a bottle of lanolin cream at every single one of those places just so that I could mm-hmm. pop it straight on before or after the feed. And it's really good because you don't have to wipe it off because mm-hmm. the baby is, it's safe for the baby to consume. Um, so that was great. Um, I feel like this kit, it was just really helpful having kit everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And having like lots of the same thing everywhere so you don't forget where it is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and another kind of tip actually that someone gave me, which I found really useful was if you're suffering from engorgement, which I did quite a lot, and it can happen quite a lot if you've kind of got oversupply or if your breasts aren't being drained fully when you're feeding, um, was using a comb, literally like a normal hair comb to just comb your breasts. Um, and actually, that tip was given to me when I had mastitis from this midwife friend and actually she conveyed it to Zach because I wasn't able to speak to her on the phone at the time and Zach was sort of like um so apparently you're meant to comb your boobs (laughs) and I just remember him looking at me like I know I'm meant to take this seriously but this sounds so ridiculous oh my god but put some cabbage in then get your comb out then then start combing them (laughs) That is the things it. we do right um but it, then after that I did it every 
every day in the shower I would comb and mm. actually it was just such a relief and I think it's the same thing as if you were doing it with an electric toothbrush which is another way that people do it just to kind of relieve if you've got any of those blocked milk ducts or just to kind of relieve some of the engorgement just combing it or using an electric toothbrush really really handy amazing um and then the other kind of this isn't really this isn't a product as such obviously but um the other kind of tip that I would give something that worked well for us was introducing the bottle early um so we did it literally around week two or three which is way earlier than they say to do it on like any kind of antenatal course or anything um but we did it to give me a bit of relief in terms of like the feeding but also to allow me to have a bit of sleep as well and we did it with um expressed breast milk but why that was so useful was obviously not just for the reprieve it gave me at the time but it also meant that Freya took the bottle mm. right from the get-go um because I've heard that it can be more challenging not not always obviously but it can potentially be more challenging to introduce a bottle later if they're not used to taking a bottle so um I found that quite useful just because it meant Freya was comfortable with the bottle all along um and that was actually really good when it came to weaning her off the breastfeeding because she was super comfortable taking a bottle of formula that's a really good shout and for anyone who's you know looking to return to work or send their child to nursery yes. then it's really good to get that one sorted because I, I had the exact same uh, thing where Juniper took the bottle instantly because I also wanted the option then I thought oh she takes it and I didn't try again and then a few months later I tried again and she wouldn't take it so it's that thing of just making sure it's consistent if you want to eventually use a bottle yeah absolutely because again these babies are really smart but they like the consistency and like sometimes if you try and throw a curveball at them it can be a bit harder to get them accustomed to something new okay um so so was there anything else emily this was lovely such a good story and so many good tips no i think i think that was mostly it i mean i would just encourage anyone to go with your heart and go with your instinct and your gut and if you want to give it a go, give it a go. Um, and if it doesn't work out, try as best you can to just be reassured in the fact that your baby being fed by any means possible is the right thing and what they need. Um, and you will also get a sense from your baby as well of what they want and what they need. Um, and, you know, you will be okay and it will be fine whether it works out from a breastfeeding perspective or not. But just take solace in the fact that you know, this isn't, this isn't a permanent thing. And actually, if the breastfeeding can go well, it's a really beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing. And hopefully you get lots from it as well. And your baby will get lots from it. It was so nice to catch up with Emily again and loving this mum chat series. Guys, we actually have one more episode left. So if anyone would like to drop in their ideas, then feel free to send me a message on Instagram, a DM, and we'll we'll cover the topics. Just pop them through. Maybe the, the next episode we can actually cover your questions if you'd like. Um, we're just two new mums who love to learn and share. So yes, follow me on Instagram, follow the Spotify for more exciting podcast updates and have a lovely day. Bye-bye.